church. Um, just a wee bit of a sort of lower energy start this morning. Um, just because I want to bring you up to speed with uh, someone who we've been praying a lot for over the last couple of weeks, and that's Belle Bryant. Now, as I am recording, um, Belle is still with us, um, but things are not looking good. And so it may change by the time you're watching this on Sunday morning. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because the, the, the tone of the messages and the things that we're looking at might seem out of place by the time you're, you're watching it. Uh, we are looking at the importance of smiling. We're looking at the importance of, of singing and rejoicing. And I understand that perhaps by the time that you're watching this, um, that might feel a wee bit foreign or a wee bit alien or a wee bit cold. And so I wanted just to uh, I've changed the what was or the original start to the message and I've put I'm putting this in in front of it. So um, just I want you to recognize that all those uh, all what you're about to see has been pre-recorded. Um, the one thing that I have realized about lockdown is that the grieving process is different. Uh, there's not that ability to kind of just go and get around people and to be occupied. I know some people ask how they like to deal with it. They like to just be busy and throw themselves into the middle of it because it's just easier to deal with that, which which is perfectly fine. But in lockdown, you can't do that. And I was thinking about Psalm 46, 10, when it says, Be still and know that I am God. Stillness. We shouldn't be afraid of it. In times like this, whenever we're, we're expecting someone who we care about to pass away. Um, and I know the hard thing is that whenever we sit down and we're quiet and we're not we're not interested in putting the TV on, we're not really in, in the form for talking a lot, our minds can fill up with a lot of things and we um, just unlock all these memories and, and fun times. Um, I'll not forget the Sunday I came into church and there's just all these pictures of Belle with a member of the royal family um, <laughs> and with, with Prince Andrew and just uh, the fun that we had with that that day. Um, we have all these memories and things can be difficult because we can't have that outlet for uh, for grieving and for even just being a support for one another and yet when we do as scripture advises us here to be still not just in itself but to be still and know that he is God to know that he is faithful that he is there that he is sovereign that he is loving that he is bigger than the need that anyone today is facing and so what whether you're feeling this deeply today or whether you're near to the church and you're not really sure who Belle was, is. I want you to know that God is able to bring us through. And the family have asked for privacy and so please respect that. I'll try and get information out to you as best as we can as and when it is necessary. But I want you to know that God sees how much we feel it 
God sees how much that uh, we need him. And so he is able to bring you through this journey, to bring you through today, to bring you through this storm. And so um, even though we're going to be talking about the goodness of God and rejoicing, let's start this morning by reflecting simply on our need of him, our dependency on him and the sufficiency of him. We'll do a couple of announcements then and, and we'll, we'll get back into the uh, the regular programming. Let's pray. Father, um, I, I don't know exactly the circumstances that, that uh, people will be watching this under come, come the weekend. But Lord, I just would pray that, as I said here on, on Saturday afternoon, Lord, that uh, you would just be meeting the need of Belle, her family, her friends, and Lord, that we would just know that um, your sufficiency, your grace, your compassion, Lord, that uh, you would uh, uphold those who are feeling weak, Lord, that you would strengthen those who, uh, who are just falling apart, and Lord, we would just pray that as a church family, um, you would uh, help us to be a support one for another, Lord, that we would be um, Lord, that we would just be what Belle's family needs at this moment, Lord, that we would be there for each other, but Lord, that while it hurts and while it is difficult, Lord, you would you would meet the need. And Lord, that's that's all we can do now. So Lord, just pray that you would draw near and meet the need of our fellowship this morning. I want to ask this in your name. Amen. In terms of what's going on this week, again, please remember that from August, our, our prayer meetings are coming off Zoom and we'll be back in the building. Um, it's a smaller format for the meeting and so it gives us a chance to phase the use of, of the building back in and uh, gives us a, a, a few uh, runs before we go for the, the bigger services on Sunday mornings in September. So please just remember that the prayer meetings in August will be switching from Thursday to Wednesday to give a gap of the 72 hours that the government are advising just uh, so that the, the, the rooms um, are germ-free as best as we can make them. Um, remember Fit Defence. Fit Defence is back on Monday and uh, after a week off there last week for the 12th and so uh, please remember that um, they're, they are able to take a few more people now uh, in, in the sessions and so um, if you're interested in that please reach out to, to um, through Facebook and we'll, we'll try to, to fit you in if that's possible um, and so remember that. On Friday we have the kids version of Fit Defence starting uh, and that'll be through the campaigners program and so Again, as a church, we'll have all the links and stuff and all on Facebook uh, there as well. So please do remember that and pray for the team there. Something that, um, well, today we'll finish the series on God's will for our lives. Next week, we're going to start with uh, something new, and that's going to be uh, the book of Nehemiah. We're going to start with the book of Nehemiah. Uh, and this, the idea is of rebuilding. 
of having that fresh start and but not necessarily blank canvas <laughs> you know because Nehemiah they had to come back and um, Ezra had gone before and they'd started something but it kind of had lost momentum and Nehemiah is coming in and they said okay right let's let's rebuild let's get the walls up let's let's see if we can get something going again and as we get ready then to reface back into the building as we start to think about questions like well how do we um, get our ministries back up and going how do we phase that in how do we get the timing right we're going to be looking at Nehemiah let us rebuild and so uh, that will be what we'll be looking at from next Sunday uh, on through probably to the end of September or something like that anyway we'll see how we get on so that that's what's happening um gonna uh finish this but now we're gonna head over now into some of the music but um yeah just remember Belle and the family uh, at this time thank you folks
thank you guys for uh, doing the music this week for us. Um, boys and girls, let's let's talk to you for a wee story for you. Just want to tell it just felt a wee bit inspired by the fact that we're in the middle of the summer now, and it feels really weird because we're kind of getting back to normal now. Uh, but yet, so many of the fun things that we want to do over the summer haven't got back to normal yet. They're still cancelled. Um, like going to the swim pool or, or going to a theme park or I'm just going to Happy Town or something like that there. They're just all closed still and it's really frustrating. Um, maybe you were one of the families that was planning to go away on holiday that's been cancelled now because of the big bad bug. Hopefully you get to go on it really soon. Um, maybe you're planning to go on a plane. I don't know if you've been on a plane before. Uh, has it been fun? Well, today's story is about a man called Fred who always wanted to fly in a plane so one day he goes over to the airport hops in a plane and takes off it's a little small plane with two engines one on each wing unfortunately while fred was flying over the countryside one of the engines stopped working oh fortunately there was still another engine so the plane could still fly unfortunately after a while the other engine stopped working too but fortunately he was wearing a parachute and he jumped out of the plane Unfortunately, the parachute then opened, so he began falling like a rock. Fortunately, he was over the water. Instead of landing on the hard ground, he landed in the ocean. Unfortunately, Fred didn't know how to swim. But fortunately, a man in a boat came along and pulled Fred out of the water. Unfortunately, the boat sprang a leak. And it began to sink, but fortunately the man with the boat knew how to swim. And he pulled Fred to the shore. Now, a lot of good things happened to Fred and a lot of bad things happened to Fred in that story. He had a very exciting day, but let me ask you this. Do you think Fred had a good day or a bad day? Well, the day was good and bad wasn't it it was full it was it was uh, eventful but you know when you get older you start to realize that life can be a wee bit like that there are times whenever things are good and bad all happening at the same time and it's hard to know if it's good or bad sometimes we may not even be sure if what we're talking about is good or bad think about when your mum or dad tells you to go tidy your room i'm pretty sure it feels like a bad thing but they're asking because it's a good thing to do or whenever you're being homeschooled and they make you do extra work or read a page more than you want to or ask you more and more about your spellings. It feels like it's bad, but they're doing it for a good reason. Parents are good to their children, even whenever they make you learn how to dress yourself or to tie your shoelaces or to keep clean or brush your teeth, make your bed, to do your homework. It's part of growing up. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 107. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. There are things that are always good, no matter what is happening. God is always good. And God's love for us is always good. Sometimes he might tell us to do things that we don't like and we might think that he's not being very good. But like our mommy and daddy, God does everything out of love for us no matter how bad things get god is always good and he always loves us and so let's just pray about that now dear god 
Sometimes we have good days and sometimes we have bad days. Thank you for always loving us no matter what. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go and have another song now. Uh, and then we'll have a video and go into the message. Thank you. Give thanks for the good days. When the traffic lights all turn green, 
when promotions come and bad habits are broken. Give thanks for warm meals and the company of friends. Give thanks for undeniable blessings and clear direction. When the music floods your soul and the worship songs flow without effort. Give thanks for coffee and clothing and hope that the two never mix. Give thanks for the mother who battles daily in prayer. For the father working three jobs. For the brothers and sisters who build blanket forts and read bedtime stories. Give thanks for sons and daughters and all our family who remind us of what truly matters. Give thanks for the stranger who holds the door open and the lifelong friend who holds you when life is broken. Give thanks for the hard days, for the phone call that brings life crashing down, for jobs lost and friendships fallen into conflict. Give thanks for the anger that reminds us we are human and the tears that express more than words could ever fathom. Give thanks, though the pain is overwhelming, your energy spent, your spirit fallen, and your only option is to fall to your knees before your Holy Father and cry out, God, please help me. For in that moment, his power is made perfect. His love is made evident. He becomes your strength, your comfort, and your salvation. Give thanks for the power of redemption, from Genesis to Revelation, for the endless promises of a God who would rather sacrifice his son than give up on his children for nail-pierced hands, for brilliant dawns, for the cool touch of rain and the simplicity of a quiet day, for all things great and small, let us give thanks. Okay, folks, we are uh, finishing up our series now on what God's will is for our lives. We know it's not been this full comprehensive study by any means, uh, but we've, as we've gone through, we've built an idea that God's really less concerned about your job title and your dress and to make a model of your car and far more concerned about the type of person you are while you are and working, who you are when you're with your neighbours that he's far more concerned about how much you love him uh, than how much you earn. And as we said last time, because either he's of supreme value or none, it's not kind of that middle ground. Well, it's kind of an important thing. We've covered topics starting with salvation. God wants you to be saved. And then we went to talk about different aspects of the Christian's life, like saying no to the world because we're responding to Christ in our hearts. They want to say yes to him. We've talked about sanctification, submission. We've spoken about seeking God in prayer and serving him. Then in the last two weeks, we've looked at how sometimes it may be God's will for us to suffer. That it is our life's great commission to make disciples and to share the life and the message that we have because it is supremely valuable. But as we finish the series, I want to go to the most repeated command in the Bible. Now, what do you think? The most repeated command in the Bible is. 
because that's got to be one of the biggest clues to God's will for our lives, right? I'll give you a clue. It's not any of the do nots or, or a warning. It's not about sex or money or power. So what is it then that God is constantly and continually calling us to as believers? I mean, okay, yes, anything that God says is important. But if we say that repetition is a literary tool used for emphasis, what is God emphasizing above all else as his will for us? The most repeated command in the Bible will probably surprise you. Smile. Okay, now it's a wee bit simplistic, uh, but I needed the alliteration for the series. But I'm not wrong. God tells us more than anything else in different ways. Praise the Lord. Don't be afraid. Rejoice. Give thanks. All of which are commands in essence to be happy. Smile. Like one of my guilty pleasures. You know what? It's not, it's not even guilty. All right. I love watching Hamilton. Okay. The musical. I love it. It's the history, the banging tunes. I love it. I'm not even going to hide behind the fact that it's a, the phrase of a guilty pleasure. Okay. As if I should feel bad for loving a masterpiece. Okay. I don't. All right. I love it. But it's interesting how the story of the founding fathers really is the start of that American dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. It's a shame, I suppose, that instead it's become this pursuit of wealth. And we're finding that money doesn't buy you happiness. Or the pursuit of fame, but it's momentary, it's empty. Others will pursue success or entertainment, and it's all under the guise of this American dream of pursuing happiness. But it's not worth it. Don't buy into this dream. It's just a dream. The pursuit of happiness is really the pursuit of God. Seek him, find him, and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace, is given to us. That's where happiness is found, where lasting joy is found. A life of happiness and joy is a life that is full of rejoicing and God calls us continually to rejoice. That's what, what the word rejoice means. Samak, it means to, to brighten up, to lighten up, to make glad. Charles Spurgeon said, Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A joyful people is in keeping with God's nature and character. There should be a smile on our faces. We have been saved. We have our sins forgiven now and forever. We are dead to sin and alive in him, saved and sustained by his grace. We're loved with a love that says, I was willing to die for you. I know you better than anyone else, all your secrets, all your doubts, all your fears and shame, and I still love you with an everlasting love. That should make us smile. Who else would accept us in those terms? Yet here we are, accepted. It should make us want to rejoice, to praise the Lord, to glorify him. We should be happy people. Please don't move past this quickly. Let it sink in. More than anything else, God calls on us to be happy. God wants you to be truly, deeply happy. Not just in heaven someday. Not when circumstances take a turn for the better. Not when sorrow or darkness finally goes away. But now, to praise him even in the storms. To delight in him even when your day's been anything but delightful. Now, I'm not trying to trivialise the trials that you may be experiencing. There are days when it feels like we fall face first into sin and sorrow and grief and pain and betrayal and failure and fear and horror and wretchedness and we feel it. 
so like i'm not trying to say in this message that if you feel rubbish god wants you to smile and just fake it till you make it that's not how this is supposed to work rather we need to look at what makes us happy where does our happiness come from where do we look to for our happiness because the context of happiness is what we're talking about this morning can we agree though that we all want this to be true right this is good news we want the fact that god desires our happiness to be true to be able to say like if he loves me he, he would want me to be happy i mean that would be wonderful well he does love you and he does want you to be happy but let's be careful that's not the conclusion you should be taking away from this message that's our starting point the issue is not if you are happy or if you want to be happy the question is what brings you happiness because god desires to be the source of your happiness he wants to be the object of our delight he wants us to be happy in him psalm 37 tells us delight yourself in the lord he has to be the focal point okay so don't be thinking well i want to do x y and z and it can't be sinful because hey god wants me to be happy no 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 you're trying to justify sin with bad theology the call is delight yourself in the lord and then he'll give you the desires of your heart now can it really be that easy delight in him and he'll give us what we want no <laughs> no that's not what the verse says what it's saying is that if our hearts truly find their greatest delight in his presence in his goodness in his salvation if that's what really thrills us if if that is where we are genuinely most delighted to be if this is where we are wanting to be most often because it's our greatest delight to be in his presence he'll grant us the desires of our heart which is himself it's the same as jeremiah would go on to say say look if you seek me you will find me if you seek me with all your heart it's the same thing that's being said god well, so when god commands us to delight in him to praise him what exactly is he wanting well we know that it's not just lip service that he wants while our heads and our hearts wander off somewhere else we know that because of isaiah 29 isaiah 29 13 says this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me this isn't what he wants he doesn't want you showing up to church with an attitude that says well look i'm here i get the brownie points i'm, I'm singing no, no 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 he's commanding us to look to him and be thrilled by what we see that's the call it's a call to see him as he really is that's what he wants most from us and when times are bad that is we keep looking to him and we keep looking until we see something that stirs our hearts again when hope surges like a sunrise coming after the darkest night the most repeated command of scripture smile be so focused on God that the other stuff that's happening, whatever it happens to be, we keep saying to our heart, I'm looking to God. I'm focusing on him. And I'm going to keep looking until I can say, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. If you remember at the start of our series, back in I don't know, was part two, part three, we spent time talking about sanctification. Uh, we went to 1 Thessalonians 4 and we read that this is the will of God, your sanctification, colon, that you abstain from sexual immorality. 
And we talked about the contrast that Paul was making, how on one hand we're called to be abounding in love for one another, and how that doesn't fit in with sexual impurity. That we're called to Christ-likeness by saying yes to Christ and also no to sin. Because a sanctified life is not just about looking the part and playing a part, which is where so many of us as Christians live. We kind of get to that point, we stop. We just want to look the part on the inside, our hearts inside our minds. That's The idea of sanctification is when inside, that's what's really becoming more like God. We're not just acting the part, but our hearts and minds are being transformed into the likeness and image of Christ. That's what really pleases him. It's the process by which we are being made holy. Now, grasp this, please. Because let me just add another layer to what sanctification is, what holiness is. Holiness is the condition of the heart in which God is our greatest happiness. That's holiness. The condition of our heart in which God is our greatest happiness. That's, that is what it is that we're called to time and time again when the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The call time and time again is let holiness bring you to a place that where your joy and delight is in the things that bring you close to God, that create intimacy between you and your creator, your savior, your redeemer, your father in heaven. Not just saying yes and no to sin or not to sin. So what I'm saying is that holiness and happiness are not two polar opposites, but in fact one and the same thing. But that's not how we see it, right? We see Christians being happy and then you'll have some people saying, oh, they can't be holy, they're, they're smiling too much. And then we'll see be Christians being holy and they're often miserable. And it's almost like Christians have to make a choice. Well, I have to go to a place where I'm happy or I have to go to a place where I'm holy. I can't be both. But actually, that's exactly what God is calling us to. God is well is not either or in this scenario, but rather true happiness and true holiness are congruent. Let me put it to you like this here. Let's, let's reverse the argument. Okay, imagine Christians lined up and sharing their hearts and they look miserable. Is this the life that God has called us to? Jesus saved me. I'm so happy. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You should be saved too. You'll be very great and happy. God, come on, no. Is that the result of Christ in us, the hope of glory? It makes no sense. In fact, Scripture says looking to Christ makes us smile. Psalm 42 says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Or let me paraphrase it. So, why are you so down in the dumps? I'm going to fix my eyes on God. My saviour puts a smile on my face. That's a rough translation. A Christian who isn't smiling probably is dealing with sin or disbelief. Now, I know that's a sweeping expectation and there are definitely exceptions to that. And there's bereavement and there's sickness and, and, there, and there's real intense uh, things going on. But generally speaking, in the day-to-day -day goings of life, a Christian who never smiles is not in the hub 